Kaden Kopiar acknowledges the traditional owners of the land that this podcast was recorded and produced on, the Wurundjeri and Bunurong peoples of the East Kulin Nations. We pay our respect to their elders past, present and emerging, and we extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Welcome to the Press Office with Caden Copiar, the podcast that gives you an exclusive and unfiltered look behind the scenes of the Australian media landscape and public relations industry. I'm your host, Marissa Jane, and if you are dreaming of a career in public relations, are an aspiring journalist, or simply just obsessed with all things digital and traditional media, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to the first episode of Season 3 of The Press Office with Caden Copiar. This season is filled with some of our best interviews yet, and we're really excited to be sharing episodes featuring some of the biggest movers and shakers in the Australian world of media. Kicking us off, we have someone who is no stranger to the realm of lifestyle media. She is currently a bit of a slashy as Mamma Mia's executive editor, a podcast host for You Beauty and This Glorious Mess, and a content creator. I am talking about none other than Lee Campbell, who paved her path in magazines before landing what would be a dream role to many as the beauty director at Cosmopolitan, then the head of lifestyle at HuffPost before heading to Mamma Mia. This episode is a must-listen for any publicist in the lifestyle space, especially those who deal with beauty clients. Let's get on to the interview. Okay, I honestly can't believe I'm actually chatting to one of my ultimate media crushes right now, none other than Mamma Mia's Lee Campbell. Now, firstly, Lee, welcome to the press office with Kate and Co PR. Oh, thank you so much. That's very kind. That always makes me feel weird because I still feel like a 25-year-old junior, media junior, but that's so kind. And thank you for having me. Oh, we have been wanting to chat to you for a while now, so I'm very excited to have you on. Apologies for all the cancellations. Anyone with a toddler knows that toddlers love to just throw spanners in the works, but we made it. Well, we've made it, exactly. And for many, you would not need any sort of introduction, but I'm going to let you set the record straight on who is Lee Campbell, what do you do, and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, my name's Lee. I'm a beauty journalist based in Sydney. I am an executive editor at Mamma Mia part-time, and I'm also a influencer. I hate that word. Let's call it content creator. Um, and yeah, general beauty expert. I got my start in magazines at Shop to Drop, which was the best magazine ever in the world. I was lifestyle um, editor there. And then Zoe Foster-Blake was moving on from her role of beauty director at Cosmo to Harper's Bazaar. And my editor at Shop to Drop said, do you, do you want to go for the beauty job? And I thought, oh, not really. Because I, I studied interiors at the White House. But then I found out how many people wanted Zoe's job and I'm quite competitive. <laughs> so... And then I said, yes, I do. And I, I loved beauty a lot growing up. I really, really did. But I never, well, I just didn't know it could be a career, trying beauty products and, and making money. Um, so I went for Zoe's job and I got that at Cosmo and I was at Cosmo for eight years as beauty director. And then when I saw the unfortunate demise of print happening before my eyes, I jumped ship to Huffington Post as head of lifestyle there. And unfortunately, Huffington Post did not um, survive, but we were all made redundant. And then Mamma Mia had been harassing me incessantly. 
and I had been declining them. And then I said, hey, I don't have a job. I'd like to talk to you now. <laughs> and that was uh, just over four years ago. And I've been at Mamma Mia ever since. I love that you were a part of Shop 2 Drop because that was my favorite magazine growing up too. I still have all of the editions like lined up in my like bookcase. I love it. <laughs> I love that you say that. My husband let me keep 10 because I was a magazine hoarder, but obviously you can't keep every magazine you've worked on over 15 years. Um, But to me, Shop 2 Drop was Instagram before Instagram was Instagram. It was literally just shopping from the page, beauty, fashion, lifestyle. It was amazing. So the fact that that didn't survive, but you know, whatever happened to print happened to print, regardless of how you feel about it. Exactly that. And now looking at Mamma Mia, what does your role as executive editor look like? I know there isn't really a typical day in the world of media, but what is a typical day for Lee Campbell? Yeah. Well, look, executive editor is a fancy title. No one really knows what it is, nor do I. Um, There's three of us who are executive editors, and really it's just the term for senior staff member who does uh, different things. So, For me, I mostly head up the beauty content, uh, although I do have a parenting podcast and I don't, I definitely don't have a typical day. I actually work to a quota of content per month. So Mamma Mia are fantastic at acknowledging that talent need to do other things and not many people just have one job these days. So as long as I get my work done, I can do it from Fiji on Sunday night or, you know, my son's bedroom floor at 3am. The most typical or predictable day are my Tuesdays because that's when we record all of our podcasts. So You Beauty, my beauty podcast, it's a daily podcast. And This Glorious Mess, my parenting podcast is weekly, but Mamma Mia does 30 podcasts, over 30 podcasts. And we have two studios in the office. So the Jenga to get recording time with the producers and the talent and the studio, that doesn't really change. So Tuesdays are always a bulk record of all the pods for the week. Um, And that's pretty much kind of 10 till four. It's a big day. I don't want to talk to anyone after that day. Um, And then all the other days around the week are just fluid with writing and and researching and events and my son and whatever might be happening that week. So you obviously started off as a writer and you've transitioned into a very hybrid role. You know, you speak a lot, you've got your podcasts. Was that weird to start with, to transition or was it quite natural? No, it was awful. I think as a writer, you used to being completely behind the scenes. You know, people don't even know what you sound like. But when I started at Mamma Mia, my job wasn't to do beauty at all. Um, Mia said, let's do a beauty podcast. And I thought she was insane. I was like, beauty's visual, but sure, you're the boss. I can't really say no. And it's just taken off because, like she said, women were stopping me in the kitchen and coming by my desk and we were having beauty chats. And she was overhearing and she thought, that needs to be a podcast. Um, so I don't do a huge amount of writing anymore. Mamma Mia has a beauty editor, Erin, a senior beauty editor, and she's fantastic. So she does the bulk of the content written for the website and I mostly do audio. So I do three of the five episodes for You Beauty. Um, I do do a bit of writing, but I just, the audio space was something I never thought I would get into and was absolutely mortified when I started. And oh gosh, the tests for You Beauty, if I listened back, they were just so bad. Um But it's just been such a success because it is just listening to girlfriends in your ears that know a bit about beauty that are just chatting and recommending things. It's just like hanging out with your girlfriends. I think if you talk to any podcaster, their first ever episodes are awful and they want to delete them. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I think that's meant to be how it is. And in terms of your two podcasts, This This Glorious Mess and You Beauty, how would a publicist go about pitching either talent or products for your shows? Yeah, really good question. So we're lucky in that we have an, a Mamma Mia is an empire. There's 90 people in the Sydney office. So our shows have 
sole producers that look after them. So it, the talent gets all the credit, but it's the producers that do all the work. We just turn up and talk, to be honest. So if uh, someone had a talent pitch, it would go to the producer. They're the boss of the show, really. So you'd pitch the talent to whoever produces that show. Product is different. Product needs to be in the hands of the host so that they can t- trial and test. We never talk about products on your Beauty. We haven't tried ourselves, used and obviously recommend. We're not negative on your beauty, so we never sit there and bag out a product. But if it's on there, we've genuinely tried it, used it and loved it. So product submissions are the way to get product in front of media, obviously, and that's by sending the product in. Um, but yeah, the the hard stuff is definitely done by the producers and I want to give them that credit because they're behind the scenes and get very little glory, but they do, they lock in all the talent and the time and the when someone's sick, they do all the reorganizing. So if you listen to your favorite podcast and they ever talk about the producer that's the boss it's so true and I think too one of the most important things is to actually listen to the show and know what you're pitching for because you know some shows don't have guests some shows have product honestly I'm so glad you said that because it's obvious when people haven't listened because people are like how about this talent and we're like well with what segment do you see that going in because we don't do that but I understand there's so much media to be across these days you know if you're including social media in it there is you know back in my day there was 10 mastheads and you knew the you know the finite amount of beauty editors or whatever that you were pitching to but now there's so much but if you do read or listen to the product you're pitching to it's obvious and appreciated at this end exactly and now I'm going to ask you to put your beauty editor hat back on I can only imagine how many pitches and new products that you are getting sent and even tried and tested products How does a pitch stand out to you? That's such a good question. Look, it's less about the pitch and truly about the product or the brand. Yeah, you can't put a spin on things that aren't there. And because You Beauty is all recommendation-based and problem and solution, it's really audience-led. So I just need to know what the product is or the brand is, what it stands for, where it's sold, how much it is. And coming up with the ideas are really our job. That's our job. So very rarely will a PR pitch in a whole idea or a whole story or a whole podcast episode that will go, yeah, let's do that. We just need to know who is your client, what do they do, and if it's of interest, we'll take it from there. So I do see a lot of PRs putting in a lot of work into whole story ideas or whole written stories. Um, and look, other publications may work that way, but we definitely don't. So just tell me what you've got and I'll let you know. I love that advice because sometimes... It's hard to find, you know, what the PR angle is or what the journalist would write. But someone once gave me the advice, never use the best headline in your press release because no one would ever write that. Yes, it's so true. And we might go, oh, we want to write that, but oh, they've already used it. We don't need a headline. We just need the facts. Turning the tables, what if someone listening along wants to be a beauty editor? They want to be the future Lee Campbell. What is your advice for them? Don't be in it for the freebies. I think um, a lot of people, and look, social media is to blame for this. All you see is us getting what people call presents, but really they're product submissions, um, and going to fancy events. And it does look very fun and glamorous, and it is. But the other side of that is it's a lot of hard work and you need to have some sort of skill. It depends on the medium you want to, you know, beauty editor on for lack of a better term. So Erin's mostly focused on writing. I'm mostly focused on audio. Obviously, we both cross over. But if your passion is writing, write, practice writing, put it in a Word doc, send it to your auntie. It doesn't have to be published anywhere. However, online websites are so hungry for good content, for diversity, for people with different opinions 
with different hair colors and skin tones. And I think that if you have a passion for beauty, write and send it to the publications that you read. We have on Mamma Mia what's called the Ubity Collective, and it's a group of 20 non-staff that write for us monthly. And they have all different skin types and hair types and experiences. And there's some guys on there. And so there's always room to get good beauty content published, in my opinion. I just think that it's being realistic about probably writing for free when you start until you build up um, your skills. Audio is a little bit harder, um, but it's not that hard to start a podcast these days. I'm not saying you should. Podcasts are what blogs were in the early 2000s where everyone had a blog. And now everyone has a podcast. I don't know if everyone needs a podcast, but if you do want to start one, it's very easy to teach yourself to record and edit online. So it can't hurt to play and then pitch in the same way. It's funny. I've had a few friends come to me saying that they want to start a podcast. And I'm like, it is so easy. I'm so happy to teach you. And I taught myself everything. But the thing is, the commitment, the time that it takes to put in, you actually really need to be committed to it. That's my one warning for everybody. Agreed. It's a, it's a, it's a half-time job at, you know, at best. It's, it's a lot of the editing. I see the team and I'm just like, wow, you guys make me sound good. Thank you. I just go in and talk. But if you're doing the whole shebang, it is a lot. It is. And one thing that I guess with people emerging in the journalism space or the media space now, obviously we've got social media, there's TikTok, there's Instagram, and that's how you become a content creator. And like you said at the start, you are a content creator yourself. How do you balance that life between being an influencer per se and also being a journalist? Yeah, sure. It's interesting because I have definitely changed my opinion on this. When I was, when influencers were first becoming a thing, I thought, you know, you can't be a beauty journalist and a beauty influencer because someone's paying you to say you like something on Instagram. But then over on the other side, you're being a journalist and you're somewhat impartial. But it's it's really not about that. I think it's about being authentic, only ever accepting um, partnerships with brands and products you truly love because your audience is finite. If you start selling stuff that you isn't good or you don't believe in and they purchase it, they're not going to believe you the next time you recommend something. And the same goes for over on the journalism side is that only recommend things you truly love and enjoy and believe in. And at the end of the day, it's all just recommendations. It's all just advice. And whether they're getting it from a podcast or an article or your Instagram, I think it needs to be authentic. It needs to be true. It needs to be genuine. And you can't see the money that's being offered to you as, okay, I'll do that and I'll just endorse that, but it's not the greatest product. You know, I had one recently and my, it was an eye-watering amount of money, but I said to my husband, I just don't like the product. And he's like, why is it so bad? And I said, no, it's not bad. It's just meh. He's like, eh, you can do meh. And I said, babe, I can't do meh because if I do, then the next time I do something and it's truly genuine, people just don't really believe it. Now you've got to think long game, um, whether or not, you know, you've just got to be honest at the end of the day, either way. I think too with influencers, there's so many now. There are so many for every type of genre, really specific niche ones and people that are really broad, but it's all about having that authentic relationship with your followers and there's that level of trust and then eventually that would get the influencer bigger and better brand deals because people actually are engaged with their content. Absolutely. But I think it's also important that content creators don't change who they are authentically when they do get those bigger jobs, because oftentimes you get the bigger jobs and they want more polished production or more staged kind of stuff. But it's just, for me, it's my on my on the fly sort of more 
realistic, authentic stuff that does well, even if you're working with a massive brand and, and they might want a really shiny campaign, but it just, it comes across so much as an ad. Whereas if brands just let the content creator do what the audience loves, incorporating their product, then it's always going to be a winner. And it's funny that you know, sometimes sharing that authentic side of your life that might not be sponsored or polished is actually what gets those high interaction rates. You posted today something about how you like Mondays, that you can have a slow Monday if you've done your emails on a Sunday night. And we're in very different life stages, but I relate to that because I do the exact same thing. I love having a slow Monday and having a nice breakfast when I'm working from home. It's funny, I about six months ago, I just started chatting to my Instagram um, audience in the car before the gym, no makeup. And that's by far the highest engaged content that I do you know, over anything that's polished or perfect or, you know, fancy events or whatever it may be. And I think, again, because it's just relatable, it's real, there's no filter, like metaphorically and physically. Um, And that's why I think bringing it back to just realising what an influencer is, it's just a person that people can relate to and chat to through their phone. And on that note, you are quite honest about, you know, the work-life balance with parenting How do you manage that? How do you manage the juggle? Well, look, I cancelled on you about three times before we got here, didn't we? So (laughs) I don't, I mean, it is a juggle. I think for me and as, I'm not a perfectionist, but I don't like change. So I think for me, learning to accept that it will be a juggle and things will get thrown out of, you know, whack when you do have a child. Yeah, look, I'm still learning how to do that. But for me, I get the most important thing done first because even though I don't want to, I want to reply to all my emails and, you know, balance my zero and do everything because I don't want to do the hard stuff because no one wants to do the hard stuff. But if I do the hard stuff first in the day, the rest of the day is lovely because I'm like, oh, I got that out of the way. And then if daycare calls after, you know, the nap and my son's sick, it's usually the emails I can reply to at night that no one's, you know, really waiting on and it's not a deadline. So I try and make deadlines early in the day. I say no a lot. I don't go to a lot of events. I just can't because to be honest that you know half an hour there two hours there and then half an hour home is three hours of work that I need to do at some stage and because I do work flexibly people think you've got more time but you just still fitting in everything everywhere um so I rarely go to events these days because I've got too much work to do (laughs) and one thing that you have been quite vocal about on your Instagram and something that I'm really passionate about too is the amount of waste that can often be in PR packs. So what are your, what is your advice for publicists who are looking to send you products? Just don't. You know, the amount of time still that things come in custom-made foam or perspex boxes and it's an eight-product range and they've each got the cut-out little thing and it sits in there perfectly. And obviously I understand that looks great for Instagram, but we take the products out and that goes straight in the bin. And most often it can't be recycled. And people are still doing the press kits with the screen that plays the ad and there's nothing we can do with that either. That goes in the bin and it's just so wasteful and I think reflects poorly on brands because they're not reading the room. I think that beauty in itself is already such a wasteful industry. I contributed to that because I'm telling people to buy more and more products. So I already feel guilty about that. And, you know, we have a huge beauty team at Mamma Mia because it's such a big pillar for us. So oftentimes three of the same press kit are coming. And if they're just a huge foam and, and, you know, all this jazz, it's just so wasteful. So I would put fragile products in the minimum amount of packaging it needs and non-fragile products in a 
paper box or a post box and off it goes. It makes zero impact to the, whether or not we cover a product if it comes in a big fancy cardboard box. It's just wild to think how much money is spent on these beautiful packages for maybe like five seconds on someone's Instagram story. It wasn't until COVID and we were working from home and all parcels were coming here and my husband, we nearly got divorced. He was just like, what is going on? And then one of our neighbours stopped him and said, your wife has an online shopping problem. And he said, she doesn't. It's actually her work. Not, I mean, even if I did, it's none of your business. But we were taking up the full apartment building's worth of bins with the PR waste. It's just so, it's just gross. Like in 2022, it just can't happen. Just send the product, email the press release, print out one page if you want to print out a page and let the product speak for itself. I think that is great advice. And with that, I would like to ask you a few kind of PR specific questions. Firstly, do you have a preferred way to work with a publicist? Uh, Just email, please always email. I mean, Mamma Mia doesn't even have phones. I don't know if any other offices still have phones. Um, so please don't call me. And that's not a, a, a person specific thing. It's just that I do work really odd hours. And oftentimes I'm at the park with my son. And so email is always best. You know, if there's an embargo, make it big and clear and red so that we don't break the embargo. Don't just put the embargo somewhere small in the attachment, put it in the body of the email. Um, short, sharp press releases, no more than a page. We'll come back to you if we need more info. Uh, a price is always good. A link to where it's available online is always helpful. We have a huge regional audience at Mamma Mia, so not everyone can get to a bricks and mortar store. That's not to say we won't feature something that is only physically purchasable in store, but if it's available online, then it's essentially available everywhere. Um, yeah, just timings. We're short lead. I still think a lot of media is on long lead. Oftentimes we'll get stuff that's not launching for two or three months. And while I guess it's handy to have the heads up, it just gets drowned out by the other stuff. And then they're like, hey, did you get this two months ago? And I'm like, oh God, I don't know what I got yesterday. So if you can have a long lead and a short lead calendar, definitely make sure that your digital a short lead and that we don't need much time. And on the other end of the spectrum, do you have any publicist pet hates? Just calling my phone, really. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. I understand if something's urgent, but I'm going to see your email at the same time I get my phone call. But like I said, oftentimes I'm at the park screaming, don't kill yourself. And if it's on an email, I can say, hey, I'm not the right person, but he, I'm CCing you into whoever. Whereas the phone calls a bit like, oh, you know, hang on, um, can you email me and then I'll forward you on. So email's just more efficient. Does anyone use their phone to actually call people these days? I only call my mum, that's it. I get scared when people call me. I'm like, who is this? Please don't call me. (laughs) Me too. And look, I so understand from the PR side of things that there is the emphasis on following up and that a follow-up needs to happen and all that sort of stuff, but just via email. Agreed. And what is the best way for a publicist to build a relationship with you? Uh, Again, just email is good. Like you said before, please read the publication you're pitching to or listen to whatever, you know, listen, read, watch, whatever the medium is. Um, You know, so often I'll get highly, you know, is this, this is for your city event roundup for the weekend. I'm like, what? We don't do that. Weird. So just have a read and say, you know, saw this new, we've got this new product, could be great for beauty news, or maybe this is great for your SABE section. And it just goes to show that you have respect for the publication that you're pitching to. And we automatically have more respect for you back because it's tailored, you know, when a group, you know, it's a group email or obviously unresearched, it just doesn't hit the same. So that's probably my main advice. And yeah, I just, if I can't get to your event, it's not because I don't love the brand or want to be there, but it's just, 
you know, fitting however many work hours I have in a week and is getting as much done. Um, and everyone's the same. I'm not special in that I'm very busy, but I just have to prioritize stuff. So I can't go to a lot of events, but I wish I could. Yes, there's so many events now too after COVID as well. So I totally understand. Yeah, and I get that. Everyone's got budgets back and it's exciting. But, you know, a lot of events are at five o'clock and that's daycare pickup. And many beauty journalists are younger and don't have kids. And so I think fantastic have the events, but also understand that some people just can't can't do that. Well, I have had such a pleasure chatting to you, but I have five quick fire questions to end our chat. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Coffee or tea and how do you take it? Coffee, if it's instant, because I'm a famous instant coffee lover, I have a heap of instant coffee, sugar, and then milk. And then you add the boiling water and stir. Trust me, I've had every fancy coffee machine. Instant is my favorite. If I'm out, I have an oat uh latte or oat flat white i think that's the weirdest coffee order i've ever heard (laughs) it's original uh emails or phone calls i already know the answer to this one (laughs) you know the answer to that one what is your screen time oh i don't have that notification on do you want me to check it won't be that bad i want to know because mine is awful (laughs) okay this week was five hours 46 I feel like that's quite long. That's about what mine is too. One of the girls at Mamma Mia, she's like 16 hours. I'm like, so the only time you don't use your phone is when you're sleeping. But it counts podcasts and music. Yeah, I know. You know, that's cheeky because you're often multitasking. I also spend like three hours on TikTok, so I don't think that's my problem. Uh, what is your most used app? Oh, probably Instagram. I hate that. But look, to be honest with you, it is work. And I am researching on there. I am posting on there. If ever I'm doing a paid partnership, I guarantee my client that I'll stay online for at least an hour to moderate comments, reply to DMs. And I think that's really important. I see so many people post paid partnerships and then people are asking questions in the comments and the the content creator is nowhere to be seen. You know, a full follow through is to stay online and to interact with that content. And that takes time. And that's what I tell my husband when he says, get off your phone. It's work. It's work. And lastly, what is your typical day in media consumption? I check my emails first. I don't know if that's media consumption, although EDMs are the next podcast. Everyone's got an EDM. And I do subscribe to quite a few that I like. So oftentimes I'll check my email. If anything's urgent, then I'll save my EDMs for later. Then I go onto Instagram. But that's okay. I... I've got a lot of Apple alerts set up for Vanity Fair overseas, all my favorite publications. And obviously a publication chooses what to send as an Apple alert. So you don't get everything, but you get their kind of big story of the day. And I think that's a good little filter. You know, I know what Vanity Fair is pushing that day, SMH, whoever it may be. Um, I then go and have a look at Mamma Mia and see what the news team have done or listen to the Quickie, which is our morning um, news podcast driving into the office or driving around. I don't actually always listen to my own podcast because I don't like it. But every week, uh, every day I'll listen to um, Mamma Mary Out Loud, which is our three lovely ladies, and they speak about current affairs and give their opinions. And I love that because my boss, Holly, happens to be on there, but she also always somehow changes my opinion on things. And I love hearing women's other women's opinions. That's it. On parenting days, it's like Bluey and Spidey and his amazing friends and all that jazz. That sounds beautiful. It's a good mix. It's a good mix. I've got to say we're lucky as parents these days because the the shows are actually good. So it's not too bad. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All the best. 
Thank you for listening to The Press Office with Kate and Co PR. Please subscribe, rate and review via your favourite podcast app and please give us a follow, like and share on Instagram at Kate Co PR.